Hello, and welcome to The Mastering Show. My name is Ian Shepard. I'm a mastering engineer, and I run the Production Advice website, where the aim is to help you get the best results recording, mixing, and mastering your music. My co-host, John Tidy from reaperblog.net, can't be with me this week, unfortunately, but that's okay because I'm going to keep this short and sweet. This is a piece of advice that will help you get better results if you're interested in getting good loudness for your music online, but also keeping dynamics. And it's a piece of advice that I'm giving over and over again. I thought you would appreciate it if I put it somewhere that was quick and easy to find, and hopefully I won't ramble too much. It's inspired by the fact that Dynamic Range Day is next Friday. It's the 10th time I've run the event, and in those 10 years, things have changed. Some things have changed for the better, other things I would say have not. A lot of stuff has stayed the same, but the big difference is, as you know if you're a regular listener to the show, the use of loudness normalization online on YouTube and Tidal and Spotify and Pandora and everywhere else where loud songs are turned down to stop us being blasted by unexpected changes in loudness. And that presents us with a challenge because on the one hand, our clients are probably still asking for songs to be loud, especially if they're uh, playing them on CD or listening to them somewhere like SoundCloud or wherever. But the louder we make them, the more they get turned down in most of the other places. And I think it's worth pausing for a second to reinforce how important this is. The last set of statistics that I saw said that 87% of music industry revenue came from non-physical sources in 2017, right? So that's streaming and downloads. And of those online sources where people are listening to music, YouTube and Spotify are the two big hitters, the two major places. And both of them normalize the audio. Both of them turn loud songs down. Spotify does it by default on new installs. Uh, on YouTube, you can't switch it off. So for me, this is just a clear signal that we have to be thinking about how our music is going to be heard in those places probably more than anywhere else. Because uh, quite aside from anything else, YouTube is the number one discovery channel for music. It's where people, most people hear most new music first. And on the face of it, normalization is a good thing as far as that goes, because it means you don't have to make your music as loud as you might have thought, because the really loud stuff will get turned down. But here's the thing, it's not quite that simple. We've talked on the show before about how there are differences between the different streaming services, um, which is why I set up the Loudness Penalty website to help people kind of navigate their way through this stuff. And I'm going to illustrate this with a simple example. I recently had a client contact me specifically because they had a master of their song that they were really happy with, but they had been disappointed when they heard it on Spotify with normalization enabled because it sounded so much quieter than everything else. And their question was, if normalization is supposed to make everything sound a similar level, why isn't that happening? And is there anything you can do about it? I mean, I did say, well, it could just be a quirk of the normalization system. We did a whole uh, episode of this show called When Normalization Goes Wrong that shows, you know, normalization is a new thing. It doesn't work perfectly all the time, and it may not work perfectly for the music that you're working on. So it could just have been in this case that the particular song they were doing was never going to be treated 
fairly in their mind by Spotify's normalization system. But when I listened to the song, my immediate instinct was actually, I can hear some things in here that I think could be affecting the way it's being treated. And I do think I can improve them. And (laughs) it'll surprise you possibly to hear that the main thing that I heard was that the song was very dynamic. The beginning started off quite quietly and it built up to a fearsomely loud final chorus with lots of changes and contrast in between. And actually, for me as a mastering engineer, just listening to it, I felt those contrasts were too big. It's one of the things that we work with as mastering engineers. It's a question of balance and it's a question of finding the sweet spot. And my opinion, my musical opinion, forgetting all about the the numbers and the statistics, was just listening to this song. If I turned the intro up to the point where I felt it sounded right, where it had enough presence and felt musically satisfying, when it got to the chorus, it was too loud. And that immediately gave me a clue about what was happening on Spotify, because Spotify uses replay gain, and replay gain focuses very intently on the loudest moments in a song. So only 6% of your song needs to be really loud for Spotify to decide that that's how loud the song is. So if, if your song was kind of moderate level and then had one really loud section, Spotify will treat the song as though the whole song is really loud and turn it down so that that loud section doesn't blast anybody too much. That may not be the artistic result that you would like, because when you play the whole song, the introduction is going to sound comparatively quiet in comparison to everything else around it that might have more consistent loudness throughout. So if you followed that, you're going to notice immediately that there's a paradox here, which is that I'm a champion for dynamics. This show was inspired by Dynamic Range Day. But basically what I'm saying is that my opinion was that this song was actually too dynamic. But if you're a regular listener, you'll know that's also something that I've often said. Having something that is too dynamic can sometimes be almost as much of a problem as having something that is not dynamic enough. And I'm regularly using a combination of automation, uh, compression and limiting to not control, not remove dynamics, but manage the dynamics to create a musically satisfying result. So my instinct for this song was that the louder sections were too loud in comparison to the quieter sections, musically and also in terms of how Spotify would treat it with the loudness normalization. And I set myself a little challenge. Uh, If I master this song as I feel it's musically right, then what will happen? Then how will Spotify treat it? And I can test that using the loudness penalty website. So that's what I did. I remastered the song, as I always do. I started with the loudest section of the song, and I lifted that up to what I felt was the appropriate maximum level, my maximum mastering level. And then I went back to the beginning and started listening to see how the rest of the song felt in comparison. And sure enough, I felt that the introduction needed more weight, having made that adjustment. So I used some automation to bring up that early section of the song until it hit the next section, which was louder, at which point that section felt too loud. So I brought that back down a little bit. Uh, Then there was another section with even louder. I stepped that back a little bit. And it probably sounds like what I'm doing would reduce 
all the dynamics of the song, but the the technique that I'm suggesting that you might want to try here is that in my experience, when you get those adjustments right, and they take a lot of fine tuning, when you get those adjustments right, you can still have the impression that the big section, the big loud section is loud because it's not crushed. It's just not as loud as it was before the adjustments. So that was stage one, uh, having evened out those levels so that I felt it worked much better from a musical perspective. Then I applied some overall EQ, which meant that I had to tweak those levels a little bit more. I decided in the end that a little bit of gentle compression was going to help glue everything together, pull all these different sections together and also add even more power and impact at some points. And so I proceeded with the usual mastering process that we've talked about many times on the show before. And when I finished, I had something that I felt sounded just as satisfying musically, actually more satisfying because, I mean, in particular, even if, okay, maybe you, you felt that the the quieter introduction was an artistic intention and that uh, maybe I was moving against that somehow, later on in the song, there were quieter sections. And at those points, there was a real loss of energy, I felt, which needed to be addressed. And having made all of those changes and, and been through the mastering process to come up with something that I felt worked better musically, my opinion was that I had a result which overall sounded just as dynamic as the original, even though technically the the macro dynamics, the long-term changes in loudness between the sections of the song, the verses and the choruses and the different parts of the arrangement had been reduced, it actually sounded as though it had more dynamics as a result, more impact and life and contrast uh, and excitement to it, which after all is is the goal. So the question is, what would happen when this song was uploaded to the online streaming services? So I plugged the file into the Loudness Penalty website, which gives you that information, tells you what kind of loudness adjustment is going to be applied to your music by each of the, the popular streaming services. And I'm happy to say that the final result was that my new master had 3 dBs less loudness penalty than the original master. So Spotify decided to play my version 3 dBs, in fact, 3.3 dBs louder than the original master. That's even though the overall loudness of my master, as I'd measured it, was only 1.5 dBs quieter than the original The louder sections of the original were louder, but the quieter sections were much quieter. So the overall impression was that it was almost as loud, even though it wasn't. And it got even better than that because the real problem that uh, my client had with the original master was that if you played it immediately after another similar song, it always sounded weak because the introduction was so much quieter than the final very loud section. With the new master that I'd done, the introduction was nearly four and a half dBs louder than it had been originally in comparison. So suddenly that problem was solved when you, I mean, it was meant to be a quieter introduction. So that sounds quite natural musically. But now when you played into it from another overall louder song, the quiet intro sounded musically correct and the loud sections still kicked which was exactly the result that I was hoping for. I was delighted with it, and so was the client. And interestingly, I then went through uh, and kind of worked on the song even further and tried to uh, game the system, if you like. I compared to some other similar 
tracks on Spotify and tried to tweak the EQ and the dynamics further. I went to kind of more lengths to even out those dynamic contrasts to see if I could squeeze out a little bit of extra playback gain from Spotify. And in fact, I did manage to achieve, I think, an extra 0.8 dB. So the the song was playing at almost the maximum loudness that Spotify's normalization system will allow. Um, but interestingly, when I sent that to the client and they compared the two, they decided that they preferred my original master, the, my kind of gut instinct musical response to the track. And I just want to re-emphasize that this was not a case of trying to hit the numbers or trying to game the system at all. Uh, I simply, my reaction as a mastering engineer to what would serve this track best, starting from a completely clean slate, worked out better in the online normalization scenario. And I also want to say there's no criticism here implied of the original mastering engineer because my client had gone to them with specific instructions saying how proud they were of the dynamic structure of their song and how important it was to them that they'd retained that and that they wanted it as loud as possible. So the original mastering engineer had followed those directions closely. The overall level had been lifted up. He'd retained the contrasts between the song exactly as per the mix, whereas because when I'd been approached, I knew there was a problem and I knew the the kind of the specific requirements, I came at it with a completely different approach, I think, and got a result that everybody was much happy with. So there you go. That's, that's it in a nutshell. That's my suggestion. Careful use of automation to manage the dynamic structure overall of your songs can help you get better results both musically and in terms of the loudness penalty that you encounter when it's played back online. By pulling back the loud sections before they hit all your dynamic processing, you can achieve a result that sounds just as loud because the dynamic processing, the compression and the limiting, is not working as hard. By not slamming it up into the limiter to the same extent, you reduce the amount of work the limiter needs to do in terms of holding everything back, and the apparent level feels the same, maybe even more, because the audio is less crushed. But it also won't be judged as being as loud by the algorithms and can be played at a higher level as a result. It works musically, it works technically, it just works. Be aware that there is this paradox. Sometimes we feel that we want maximum dynamics, but that's actually counterproductive, both musically and in terms of online normalization. If you find that when you test your songs using the loudness penalty website, you're seeing a bigger penalty than you had expected and that you had hoped for when you preview those songs next to other similar material, examine the overall dynamic structure and make sure that if you start from the loudest section, get everything there sounding as good as you can, and then balance everything else musically in relation to it, in my experience, you will get something that works better musically and that has a lower loudness penalty when it's played online. Now, that doesn't guarantee it's going to sound louder than everything else. It doesn't guarantee that it's going to sound as loud as you would like, but it should help you make it fit in with other similar material and get a result that you're much much happier with. 
Of course, it's going to vary from platform to platform. It is early days in normalization. We're going to have to wait for these systems to improve and evolve over time to get even better musical results. But hopefully that strategy might help some of you out there. If you're listening to this show when it's released, please do come along and join in Dynamic Range Day 2019 on the 29th of March. It would be great to see you there. You can find all the information on that at dynamicrangeday.com. And if this is a topic that interests you, we have plenty of other episodes of the podcast you might like to listen to. Uh, You could start with episode number 44, Loudness Units 101, which talks about the topic of loudness and how to measure it. We talk about the loudness penalty site and go into more about why we developed that and why it might be useful in episode 51. In episode 52, we talk about why you shouldn't aim for specific loudness targets when you're thinking about online loudness. And in episode 54, we talk, as I mentioned, about when loudness normalization goes wrong. So I hope you found that useful or interesting. If you did, please leave us a rating or a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and tell your friends. Thanks to Kaylee Law for letting us use his music as always. And thanks for listening. <laughs>